2022 positional review for the defense and a look at what lies ahead for the Bills in 2023. This week on the Wandering Buffalo podcast. You're now listening to the Wandering Buffalo podcast with your host, Justin Dockery. Bills Mafia, welcome into another episode of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast, a show on the Buffalo Fan Base Podcast Network. My name is Justin. I will be your host today. And this show is brought to you by 26 Shirts. Uh, if you haven't done so, check out 26 Shirts. Um, doing great work in the community. Uh, some awesome Bills gear, just all kinds of stuff over there. Um, check it out now. Thank me later. A uh, few things we want to talk about today, but right off the top, I got this update right as I hit the record button. Bills are losing wide receiver coach Chad Hall. And it's a very interesting move to me. Um, I'd like to see what comes out further about this because he's going to Jacksonville to be the wide receivers coach. And he's a guy that has been in Buffalo for a while. Kind of somebody that I've talked about in the past of you know, possibly being groomed to be like an OC down the line here um, as people keep getting promoted and hired to different jobs from the success that the Bills are having. Um, So interesting to see what will come out there and kind of what facilitated just a lateral move to, I mean, it's Jacksonville is going to be a team that's competing as well in the future. Um, just an interesting move. Um, like I said, that that's just breaking right now. Um, also want to talk about the Bills hiring um, Al, Al Holcomb to be a defensive assistant. Um, interesting move here as well. Uh, he's worked with um, Sean McDermott going back to his days in Carolina. Um, primarily a linebacker's coach. I have some theories on that that I'll I'll get into as we're talking about uh, the linebackers here um, on our positional review. Um, but I, I don't hate bringing anybody in as a defensive mind onto this staff, regardless of what their position is. Um, we've had a lot of guys that have been working together for a while, and I don't think it hurts to have a fresh set of eyeballs Um, especially when we're talking about a defense that has had its struggles um, when the team gets to the playoffs. It seems like the last few years we've had a very good defense throughout the regular season and then kind of a couple doozies of a game and and games in the playoffs and certainly finishing off games. Um, But we're going to start out today's positional review. Um, Just kind of look at who's on the roster, where we stand, who's coming up as free agents, and um, just kind of grading the position and seeing what it looks like moving forward. Uh, We did this last week with the offensive side of the ball. If you haven't done that, if if you haven't listened to that, you want to check it out, um, go back and listen to that. We're going to do the defensive side. And we did put a poll out to our followers on Twitter and Instagram. Um, So these are all going to be based on responses to... Uh, about a thousand votes, and then I'll kind of share where I think the the team stands at that position as well. 
Um, so the defensive line, we're going to break this into two parts. We'll do the, the defensive ends and the defensive tackles. Um, so Von Miller, Greg Rousseau, Shaq Lawson, uh, Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, and Kingsley Jonathan. And based on the votes, we had 12% at an A grade, 49% with a B, 33% with a C, and 6% with a D or an F. Um, and this is for, those grades are for the defensive line as a whole. Um, so I'll get to my grade at the end there. Um, start out at the top, you got to start with Von Miller. Um, I thought he was kind of exactly as advertised. Um, came in doing exactly what we wanted him to do. Um, he made the defensive line around him better. He had the production on his own. I always think back to the Chiefs game this past season um, where it was kind of game on the line. Chiefs had the ball and uh, Miller's getting in the back backfield creating havoc. And that was kind of the moment of like, not only was this what he was brought in for, like that's the team that he was brought in t to do it against. Um, we got to see it in the regular season, and unfortunately, um, obviously on the, the Thanksgiving game, you know, he ends up tearing an ACL. Um, you know, there was a couple weeks of he was getting second opinions, all that, um, but we obviously lose him for the rest of the season, and to be honest, the defensive line looked still pretty good at times, and then at other times... You could really feel his absence. Um, the ACL should be about a 9 to 12 month recovery. Uh, we've seen the Bills kind of err on the side of caution with these types of injuries. Um, obviously, we have a great example of, of what it looks like with Trey White this past season. And I know the tail end of recovery, they were talking a lot about the mental side of it. And and all that. So it's going to be a little unique for each player. Um, on one side, I think I'm a little optimistic that Vaughn could come back a little earlier because he's gone through this. He knows the process. Um, on the other side, he is a little bit older, um, and we do have him locked up for a pretty long, sizable contract at an older age. Um, it is a six-year contract that kind of on papers, more of a three-year contract. Uh, but I think I think we kind of need to prepare for Vaughn to be out closer to the year range and maybe a little bit longer. Um, I think this is a team that's going to think that if we can get to, you know, around the 12 win mark and make sure that we get in the playoffs, it's going to be... Christmas morning when you have a defense that's been doing it all year and oh yeah as we start the playoffs we can plug in a, a healthy Von Miller maybe a week or two of ramp up before that um, but I don't see this as an injury they're gonna try to rush him back from I think they're gonna let him take his time um, the other guys in that group Greg Rousseau I thought had a a good year too. I think he took a step forward. I think there is still meat on the bone for 
um, what he's developing into. Um, but I think overall he was a, a good DN2. Uh, I think he looked better when Von Miller was in there. Um, but he does a lot of what we'll talk about with Shaq Lawson. Um, he's very good against the run. He's very fundamental in um, keeping his rush lanes, uh, maintaining his gaps. Um, so I thought Groot had a good season. I'm excited for where he continues going. And I think if you get him back there against Devon Miller, or I'm sorry, across from Von Miller, um, kind of, I guess his, his knock coming into the NFL was a lot of his sack production was, you know, kind of clean up work because he kept working. Uh, that's fine by me playing across from Von Miller. Um, he's going to get that quick burst, kind of get the quarterback off his spot, get the quarterback to hold the ball a second longer. And on plays that Von's not getting home, that that extra second or two that the quarterback is holding the ball is where Groot's going to get those sacks. And you can call them cleanup sacks, whatever. If the quarterback goes down in the pocket with the ball, I'll take it. Um, Jack Lawson uh, was brought back on a one-year deal this past season and was fantastic, in my opinion. Um, when Von Miller goes down, you see Shaq Lawson um, starting across from Groot. You know, not some of these other guys here that were first, second round picks. I mean, I know Shaq Lawson was a first round pick, but that was quite a few years ago. Uh, but very, a lot of the same things were just said about Groot. Um, he's always where he's supposed to be. Uh, he doesn't get caught inside. He maintains the pocket. He maintains his rush lane. And just overall, I think was a fantastic addition to this defense. And if you're you know, in the position where you're planning on getting Von Miller back and you can look at Shaq Lawson as like your DN3, um, I'll take him all day. And like I said, he is a free agent, but he was here on like a one-year, $1 million deal. Uh, probably not a ton of offers flying his way, and we saw how excited he was to come back to Buffalo. I would offer him a very similar contract. He's definitely somebody I want to see back in the mix. Um, Boogie Basham and Epinesa, I'll talk about these two together um, because I kind of feel like I'm in a very similar boat with these guys. Um, they both had some increased production this year. Epinesa got to six and a half sacks kind of quietly. Um, but I still haven't seen enough out of them for where they were drafted and and what we were expecting of them and these are these are two guys that I I've been on this podcast a lot talking about you know having patience with some of these young developing players and we saw it with Dawson Knox and we saw it um, we're watching it with Spencer Brown and seeing how it works there Basham in particular I haven't really seen very much of anything that that gets me revved up to want to be patient. Um, usually with these other dudes, we're seeing like some big splashes here and there. And we're like, man, if they could put that together on a regular basis. Um, both these players, I just kind of get rotational DN vibes from. And it's disappointing 
based on you know the capital that we invested in them um but this this is kind of like the old adage you know don't double down on a mistake um we're getting into the point of their contracts where epinesa is already at the point where you can save some money on your cap by cutting him now do we do that and save million or two dollars and you know kind of take another swing at the plate um I would be thinking about it. I think with how Bean feels about his draft picks, we're going to see Epinesa on the roster next year and kind of be hoping for him to take that next step. Um, but with with both of these players, you you can't have hope as a plan for, you know, hoping they increase their production and, well, if they both live up to their draft stock next year, then we got a pretty pretty great room because um, we haven't seen it happen yet right with a pretty tight cap coming up here I think they're still going to we're going to need to make a move at the end and I don't know first guy that comes to mind as as uh you know kind of a rotational piece that might still be able to produce on a, a smaller snap percentage where you kind of just let him get around the edge and get some sacks. Jerry Hughes, man. Uh, we've done the reunion tour with so many Bills players. I don't know. I, I have to look into it, what exactly um, his contract was that he signed in Houston. But if it's even possible, we'll look at that. And and the coming episodes of, you know, kind of free agency and what we'd like to see the Bills bring in. Um, but a guy like that, I I wish we never let walk out the door you know, in the situation where Von Miller goes down, I think if your top two were Russo, uh, Jerry Hughes, and then Shaq Lawson could be your number three, I think that edge room would have looked very different. Um, and then finally on the list, Kingsley Jonathan. Didn't see a ton from him this year, um, but he did get into some games at the end of the season, and we saw him make some plays. Um Somebody I'd be interested in, you know, kind of looking at developing him a little bit more, seeing how he fits into the defense. He's already under contract, so I would expect him to be back as well. Um, and then as we move into the defensive tackles, Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, uh, Jordan Phillips, Tim Settle, Kendall Vickers, Eli Anku, and Brandon Bryant, and I'll start with the last three there. Um, these are guys. These are guys that have been around this team for a while. Um, practice squad players called up, playing some you know, playing some roles when players go down, players miss games, whatever. Um, I'm perfectly fine with all of them, kind of maintaining that role. Um, likely, we'll see. At least a couple of these guys kind of on the roster, off the roster, re-signed to the practice squad. Um, all those kinds of moves um, possibly replaced with somebody similar that might be a little bit younger, something like that. Um, but in particular, Anku and Bryant, I think, have had moments when they're filling in in kind of spot duty. I'm fine with them being around the team. Um, at the top here, Ed Oliver... I think had another good season. Um, some games where he's just 
playing with his hair on fire, ripping into the backfield. Um, some games where he goes a little bit quiet. And I think overall, he's been a pretty good player. I just don't think that he's lived up to that top 10 draft pick status. Um, I do think he looked better playing next to Daquan Jones this year. And that's something I'm going to talk about throughout these other position groups of what Daquan Jones was able to do for this defense and how he kind of has the the quiet behind the scenes role, um, but really affects how the rest of the defense runs. Um, we're going to have decisions to make coming up on a couple of these players. Um, I do want to see more out of Ed Oliver, but I don't think he's going anywhere. I think another year next to Daquan Jones. Hopefully you get Von Miller back in the the mix sooner than later. Um, But when we're looking at this defensive front, we didn't really get to see them play a ton of games together this year. Um, There was some injuries. You didn't, the ideal starting four, you just didn't see a ton from. And I'm very interested to see, again, looking forward now, what Groot, Miller, Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, what they can look like playing as a group together and kind of continue building that chemistry and and just getting better. Jordan Phillips, very similar to um, Jack Lawson here for me. Uh, I think he was a great low-budget free agent to bring back to Buffalo. Um, He also signed a one-year deal and is up for in free agency again. Um, I would also love to see him brought back on another similar type deal. I think he had some great impacts for this defense. And then obviously sort of tail end of the season, he was playing with like a torn shoulder and just wasn't as effective. Uh, But when he was out there and playing healthy, I thought Jordan Phillips was great for this team. I thought he looked like he never left and both Phillips and Shaq Lawson, they're fan favorites. They love being in Buffalo, and they're at the point in their career where they kind of went out and tested the market and got that, you know, pretty big size contract and didn't really work out and came back to Buffalo, and both of them look like they never left. Both of them are still playing very productive football. And then wrap up here with Tim Settle. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know how excited I was to bring in Tim Settle. Um, I think I got myself a little bit <laughs> overhyped there, um, but I thought Settle was good. I I don't think he was spectacular. I think for the third, fourth guy in your defensive line rotation, I thought he played good football. Um, definitely somebody I want to see stick around to just kind of maintain that depth. Um, the big boys in the middle and for a, a team that rotates the defensive line so much and him still kind of being a younger player he's going to get his shots um, so yeah Tim Settle overall thought he he had some good football this year um, that's going to wrap it up for those two I'm going to take a quick break and we're going to come down come back in break down the secondary the linebackers and the defensive coordinator stick around Hey, this is Dick DeGroat, Bill's dad. Now back to the show. Welcome back in, and thank you again for joining me on today's episode of the Wandering Buffalo podcast. 
if you've made it this far and you haven't done so already, I do ask that you like, share, subscribe, drop a comment. Uh, it really helps us bring the show out every week. And uh, tell a friend about the show if you're enjoying it. We're going to dive back in, talking about the linebackers here, and kind of starting where some big decisions have to be made. Um, probably the biggest free or off-season um, decision that we have to make. And the players we have here, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, Terrell Bernard, uh, Medikevich, Klein, Dodson, and Balen Spector. And you guys voted on this one. 79% had this position group as an A, 19% as a B, uh, 1% as a C. And I'm going to agree with the voting here that I would give it an A. And we're going to kind of unravel from there. Um, so obviously Tremaine Edmonds is a free agent and looking like he's going to get a pretty sizable contract. And I think he's kind of the linchpin of what the team's going to be able to do um, money-wise this offseason. Um, I think there's ways to keep him around. I think there's ways to make it a longer contract and kind of be able to lower the cap hit in the first couple seasons knowing he's going to be around and I think that's what the Bills would want and try to do um I think that Milano and Edmonds both had their best seasons as Buffalo Bills players but I also think that was a lot to do with having Daquan Jones in the middle and how long we had this conversation going back to star uh star Latula and the role of that player being to kind of free up the linebackers to play freely, to keep them clean so they can get in the backfield, make tackles, um, move laterally, you know, not take on linemen getting to the second level. Well, I don't think it's a coincidence that we saw Daquan Jones um, primarily healthy throughout the season and these two linebackers have their best year. Um, so for me personally, I do think Edmonds has done a lot of growth as a player. Um, I do think he's important to the defense. Um, I do, you know, value the fact that he is still so young and, you know, you could give him a six-year contract and he's barely hitting 30 by then. Um, all that being said, I think I would be letting Edmonds walk um, this offseason and... I don't know what it's going to end up looking like, what kind of contract they would offer him. Um, but I think I think you're going to be in a position where there's going to be teams that are willing to give probably about $5 million more a year than I'd be willing to offer. And I'm looking at teams like the first one that comes to mind, it seems so obvious, is the Giants. Um they really overachieved with that roster this year and they have a ton of cap space and oh yeah, they <laughs> have some pretty big ties to the Buffalo Bills, um, obviously with Dable and the front office. Um, so I think they really were around Edmonds. They know who he is as a player, who he's becoming as a leader and they might go ahead and slap that rake, uh, Raquan 
Smith deal right on the table for him. Um, like six years, $20 million. And it's just not a position. And I know it's important in the Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier defense, that middle linebacker um, is very important. It's not a position that I think makes or breaks the defense as much as, you know, a lockdown corner or um, like a high octane defensive end. This kind of is going into my theory with Holcomb coming in as a defensive assistant and his background as a linebackers coach. I don't think the Bills necessarily plan to not try to extend Tremaine Edmonds. I think they are going to try. Um, But I think Holcomb may have been brought in as kind of this insurance policy of, all right, well, if Tremaine does walk, um, what can we do developing Terrell Bernard? Um, are we bringing in somebody else in the draft that we need to start developing? Um, I think if we were to see Tremaine Edmonds walk, it'd be a combination of a uh, low contract veteran and then probably a player somewhere in the third, fourth round that you start grooming um, to take over that position. This is going to be a very interesting one to keep an eye on and... That'll bring me into Terrell Bernard, which kind of I'm still waiting to see the plan there. It was a very head-scratching pick. There's a ton of uh, Bill's podcasters, a lot of people that are much, much smarter than me that still haven't really figured out the plan with Bernard. And when we saw him in limited action, he he does look more like uh, a Milano-type player than an Edmonds replacement. Um, so I don't know if their plan is to kind of train him to be an Edmonds replacement. Um, I kind of wish that draft pick, even if you planned last year on extending Edmonds, still kind of hedging against that and drafting more of an Edmonds replacement than a Milano. Um, at the end of the day, I think Bernard was, was brought in because of how important the linebackers are to this team and the injuries that Milano has dealt with and kind of thinking you were in the spot to compete for a Super Bowl, um, that you kind of used a third-round pick as a luxury pick of, well, if Milano goes down, this is our backup plan. He'll be ready to go. Uh, So I think he's one of the more interesting players on this roster to see what the plan is as he moves into a second year. Um, then rounding out the, the linebacker group, Medikavich, Klein, Dodson, and Spectre, all everyone there except for Spectre, free agents this offseason. Um, Klein was obviously brought back last year on a one-year deal. Um, all these players play roles on special teams. This is something I talked about last week. I would like to see some sort of combination of keeping some of those veteran, you know, special teams only guys and phasing out some of them and being able to have young draft picks start contributing on special teams. Um, I do appreciate the the emphasis this team puts on um, performing on special teams at a high level. Uh, but I think with that Josh Allen money kicking in, some key free agents coming up, 
some spending going on, um, you're going to have to start finding lower cost options for that. Um, so kind of prediction there, I would guess maybe Medikevich comes back. Um, maybe we see Klein and Dodson go. Uh, Klein was obviously already gone and we brought him back mid-season so wouldn't be surprised wouldn't be too surprised there uh, looking at the secondary we'll start with the cornerbacks um, Trey White, Dane Jackson, Taron Johnson, Kyer Elam, Christian Benford and Saran Neal uh, Trey White obviously missed a good deal of last season and even when he came back um didn't quite look like himself until kind of towards the end of the season. Um, so obviously under contract, very excited to see what he can look like with kind of another six months of getting fully right, um, having an off season to work in um, with the defense and just kind of get back to being the Trey White that we knew. Um, Dane Jackson is a restricted free agent. I fully expect him to be brought back on kind of a, a low deal to stay with the with the team. And I, I've mentioned this a lot. I, I feel like he's new Levi Wallace. Um, I think he'll he'll stick around for a while. He knows the system. They trust him in the system. Um, he had a, a, a ton of starting time this year. Um, and... I'm I'm hopeful that we don't see that again next year. Um, I do like Dane Jackson. I I think he is an adequate cornerback for this team at cornerback two. But I think the Kyrie Lum situation is a little bit where um, this Bills defense defensive staff kind of dropped the ball for me this year, and that's with Kyrie Elam. You invested a high first round pick in this guy. You traded up to make sure you got him. And listen, I, I can understand, you know, part of the season kind of making sure he's where he needs to be. Make sure you, you trust him in the defense. Um, that being said, the investment that you made in this player, I'm all for players earning their role, earning a starting job on this team. But at a certain point, I do think you kind of need to let the players go out there and and make some mistakes. And this is a team that had aspirations. There were Super Bowl favorites coming in. Um, There's certainly some games where we were kind of boat racing teams, and we still didn't see him get much run. Um, I would love to be going into the 2023 season saying, Hey, we had Trey white or we have Trey white. We saw what Kyrie Lum looked like last year. He's still got some developing to do, but you got two first round picks at cornerbacks and they're both studs. Go ahead and try to pass the ball. Um, now going into the 2023 season, I'm kind of in the spot where yeah, for my eyes, Kyrie Elam looked good when he was out there. Uh, wish I saw more. Uh, so I'm hoping kind of right from the onset of training camp next year, we hear Kyer is CB2. Dane Jackson's going to stay in the fold as, as some valuable 
um, depth in, in the secondary. Um, Christian Benford obviously spent a lot of time injured this year, um, but for being what a sixth round pick, seventh round pick, late pick last year, he came in and, and had great impacts. Um, I thought overall he looked pretty good. There was definitely some times um, that he kind of got out, uh, got out athleticist, making up words here. <laughs> um, it's kind of his athleticism shown as he was getting beat by higher caliber athletes. Um, but that's the type of cornerback that works in this Bills system. It's more about getting to your right spot in the zone and locking down that zone. Um, and you might get beat physically, um, but come up and make the tackle. Um, so very, very excited to see what he looks like going into year two, coming back healthy. Um, even if it's just as a valuable depth piece, I think we saw our secondary really get tested this year. And if we can go into 2023 and our two cornerbacks off the bench in case of injury are... Dane Jackson and Christian Benford, I feel a lot better about that going into next year than Trey White was going to miss some time and Dane Jackson was our, our CB1. Um, I, I thought that was a concerning plan going into last year. Obviously, you know, it, it worked out okay because of the rest of the team around it. Um, but I think that would be a much better situation going into next year. Um, and then the last guy in that group, Saran Neal. Um, another guy that plays a ton of special teams kind of comes in as a bigger body cornerback when the team goes to a dime look. Um, he's one of the special teams guys that I think he has, he actually has some value on defense and it's not very often. Um, but he's somebody that one of the special teams guys that I would keep around. Um, for that group, the fans voted here, 14% giving it an A grade, uh, 58% at a B, 25% for C, and 3% D and F. Um, I would probably put it somewhere in, in the B range. I think given the set of circumstances, they played pretty well. I think that if I saw Kyer Elam be kind of the full-time starter instead of doing this, inactive and platooning and everything i think we would have seen some mistakes around the, uh, along the way uh, but i also think his elite level athleticism and his ability to play press man coverage i think if we saw four 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 five more games of him being you know out there every snap i think we would have seen some more turnovers i think there would have been some variance and that would have been fine too um, I think I probably would have been able to move this group up into an A. Um, so I'm really excited to see what Elon looks like in year two. And then the safety group, Jordan Poyer, obviously a free agent. Micah Hyde, who spent the year injured. Jaquan Johnson is a free agent. Uh, Dean Marlowe is a free agent. Cam Lewis is a free agent. Um, we brought in Jared Maiden at, towards the end of the year. And then obviously DeMar Hamlin. Um, who, side note on this, uh, the chief medical officer for the NFLPA, for what it's worth, um, said he 100% believes that DeMar Hamlin will return to playing football at some point. 
Um, I don't know how much stock I put in that. Um, we're obviously still just a few short weeks removed from what happened to Hamlin. Um, is, is he in the mix for next year? I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to count that chicken right now. Um, but obviously we see this group here that's kind of as long as Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer have been here together. Um, they've pretty much been primarily healthy together. They only miss a game here or there. And that's been one of the most reliable units on this team, uh, maybe across the NFL. Um, and it's been a great strength to this team. And looking at it now, it's kind of Micah Hyde and what else? And this is the debate for a lot of people has been, are you bringing back Jordan Poyer or are you bringing back Edmonds? And it's kind of the money that you would use for one is going to preclude you from getting the other. And that's, this is kind of where I think Poyer holds more value to me. And I know I'm kind of looking at this a little short-sighted. He's, He's turning the age that Edmonds would be at the end of a six-year contract. I get that, right? Um, but it's been this position's been such a strength of this team, and you have kind of Micah Hyde right now, and nothing behind that. Um, and even at Micah Hyde, I know he was kind of trying to push to come back. If we there was reports that if we made it one more game, he would have been coming back and starting. Um, I'm not forgetting here that Micah Hyde had a very serious neck injury and we still haven't seen him play football since that. Um, now the doctors will clear him if he's healthy, he's healthy. Um, but there's also a mental side of it to like, that's, it's a neck injury. Like you're probably pretty close to having been paralyzed and you're going back out there to play football. Um, I personally think Hyde will be fine. He'll return to being himself. Um, but he's also getting up there in age a little bit. And then when we look at the free agents that we have behind those two players, uh, Jaquan Johnson has been you know, good on special teams. He came in to, to replace uh, Hyde at, at safety when he went down. And Jaquan Johnson got play, replaced by... Uh, DeMar Hamlin. DeMar Hamlin came in, and I, I thought he played pretty well. Um, he, he had some you know, younger player mistakes and moments. Those are fine. Those happen. Um, but when, when Hamlin went down, it wasn't Jaquan Johnson that came back in to replace him. They went out and brought in Dean Marlowe, uh, who had spent time with the Bills in the past. Um, but Dean Marlowe became the starter over Jaquan Johnson. Um, so that doesn't give me too much optimism for him moving forward. He's had his time to be with the team and develop and coming in to be valuable depth. It, it didn't really work out. Marlowe was brought in on a one year deal. Um, he's getting up there in years. I don't know if you bring him back as some sort of insurance policy. Um, but that's not, it's not screaming, you know, high level starter to me. Um, and then Cam Lewis is listed as a safety on the depth chart right now. 
I know that there was some um, toying with trying him at safety, trying to move him off cornerback. I've also seen this floated around with um, could Benford play safety? All that's kind of fine and dandy to have as a backup plan to me. You know, some cross-training if you have two, three injuries happen like we did this past season. But, I mean, you're you're talking about going from a top pairing of safeties in the league to um, maybe these undrafted free agents and six, seventh-round picks, maybe they can cross-train over to safety. Now, if there is a defensive staff that could coach up the cornerbacks and safeties to get into that spot, I would have faith in the Bills staff to do it. Um, but I think if you're letting Poyer walk, the best case scenario here is we're spending a fairly high pick at safety and we're still starting a rookie or we're doing the thing where we have to let them earn their time and maybe Dean Marlowe starting week one or something like that. Um, I think the, I think the plan in place at safety is is very confusing to me. I don't see the vision, and this is the same thing with Hyde. We're going to have the same thing with Hyde coming up that we have with Poyer right now. Um, for me personally, that's that's kind of why I, I value bringing Poyer back over Edmonds. I don't think it's going to happen. I guess we'll we'll see how that plays out in the in the coming weeks. Um. 50% of you gave that group an A, 43% at a B, 6% C, 1% D or F. Um, I kind of land in, in like, I guess maybe like a B minus range. Um, I thought Poyer was amazing this year. Uh, you see, you see the record with him in the lineup. We had one loss the whole season when he was in the lineup and, and that was in the playoff loss. Um, he's so valuable to this defense, both in the pass game and the run game. Um, and he's kind of inflating that towards a B for me. And um, that's the the player that's probably most likely to be walking out the door. Um, so very concerned about the safety position as we move into the offseason. Then we'll wrap it up with defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier. We had 3% of you give him an A last year, um, 26% at a B, 48% at C, 23% with a D or an F. And if we were just looking at the regular season, I would be giving him an A. Um, if we were just looking at this this past offseason, I'd probably still be like in the B range. Like, okay, you you got you got outmaneuvered in one game. This is kind of a few years now that in the playoffs, teams are able to expose our defense. Um, not 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 necessarily in a position where I'm, I'm saying that we need to fire Frazier, um, but kind of the idea of like bringing in Al Holcomb, kind of tinkering with who's around him and maybe getting a couple other voices in the room. Um, I do think that there needs to be some wrinkles and some changes on this defense. Uh, I think what we do 
defensively works really well in the regular season. And when you get to the playoffs, it's kind of a different ball game. Um, this is kind of going back to my, my point being made with Kyer Elam earlier. I think it's when you invest that type of, when you invest that in that type of asset, you need to let them go out there and play. You need to let them make mistakes. You need to let them play free and not worry about, you know, if he got beat on a double move, like he's headed back to the bench. You got to let these players grow and develop. And that's where it comes in on, on you as a coach, that when you sit down and you watch film Monday morning, you coach him up on what he did there. You coach him up on what your expectation is. You make him into that player through mistakes that he's going to make. And you try to you try to get him there before the mistake happens. But that's part of the growing and developing. Uh, if you didn't let any players play until you thought they wouldn't make any mistakes, we wouldn't see we wouldn't see draft picks play for five years. Um, I think that's kind of an antiquated way of bringing players up in the NFL. Now we see it every year, you know, quarterback in particular, that used to be, we're going to draft this guy and let him develop behind the starter that we have for three years. Well, we've seen the trend in the NFL switch to, you know, it's no longer setting your franchise back five years. If you miss on a quarterback, you know, they're going in there, they're playing, they get that first deal. And if you're if you're not performing to the level that we want you in year four, you're not getting the extension and we're going to look elsewhere. Um, and we see it across, across the league. We see cornerbacks coming in, playing day one. Wide receivers used to take two, three years to develop. They're coming in, making impacts. I think the NFL is just evolving into putting these players out there that you've drafted for their athleticism, their physical abilities, and you have to groom them on the job. There's there's no more waiting two, three years or letting them sit the first year to to really earn that job. I think that's my biggest overall complaint with this current coaching staff is I'm not saying that you have to give them the position before they've ever touched the field, you know, coming into training camp. I also don't want to see them with training wheels, you know, throughout a whole season. Elam you had coming in to a defense that was number one overall last year, top five, whatever it was. If you can't make up for a mistake or two he makes per game while he develops into the player that he's going to be, um, I think that's that's on you as a coaching staff. Um, that's on you as a scouting department if he doesn't work out to be the player that you think he is. But you you invested a first-round pick. You need to have that player in the lineup, and you need to find out if he is the plan going forward. And if not, you need to be ready to pivot and move on to the next option. Um, so kind of my, <laughs> my little rant on the letting players play. Um, I think that's something that we need to see from this coaching staff, this front office, this regime going forward. These players that you invest a lot of capital in, you you need to let them go out there and play their game. Um, that's going to wrap it up on this week's episode. Thank you again for joining me. Um, going forward, we're going to start looking at kind of some free agent wants and needs lists. Um, my personal wish list, what I kind of more predictively think will happen. 
Um, so stick around. We'll be back every Monday throughout the off season. Um, we're not going anywhere. Um, we'll have draft coverage. I'll be doing some mock drafts in here. Um, love the off season. I'm really excited for, for this part of the calendar year. Um, so come back every Monday and join us. That's going to do it for tonight, and we'll see you next week. Go Bills!